0: I'm asking a really random question now, and I want you to work with me a little bit on this. If you could think of one food, okay, one food that would remind you of going home, if you could go home to your favourite home-cooked meal, what would that be? Come on. Fajitas. Kenyan Kenyan food, yeah. Sunday Sunday roast. What reminds you of home? Fish and chips. What? Corned beef hash? Oh, pan of scouse, blind or not blind? Pickle cabbage or beetroot? Uh, beetroot. Oh, come on. Me and we, me and Andy know what we're talking about. Pasty. 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 Yeah. <laughs> well for me, um, for me it's fried bread and branston pickle. <laughs> <laughs> Around every big family occasion in our house was fried bread and branston pickle. Um Every time, um, Christmas, Christmas Eve, we had fried bread and Branston pickle. If it was a birthday, we had that. The day before our wedding, we had fried bread and Branston pickle. Um, my brother's been married three times, so that means we got more Branston pickle. That was awesome. I don't want him to do it again, but, but hey, that was unexpected. And, um, but what I'm trying to say is that some of my very best memories of, as a child are to do with food. And actually, probably all of my best memories are to do with food, if I'm honest. Um, Breakfast with my brothers, home-cooked meals, um, tomato ketchup, Branston pickle on my chips. There's a theme running through here, isn't there? If you want to bless me, guys, just buy me a jar of Branston. It's all, it's all good. Um, but no matter what was going on in our, in our lives, um, and I think this is something that maybe we've lost now, is that we used to eat around a table as a family. And it didn't matter what was going on. Uh, we talked about our days, you know, what had gone right or wrong. Um, we got praised. I got told off around that table um, I got encouraged, I got cancelled around that table. And, um, and so why are those some of the, my best memories? And I think it's because uh, of the sense of belonging to family that I got in those moments. And the connection and the love that was shared between us all really. And I know that's not everyone's experience of family. But for me I was blessed and that was, that was one of, of mine. And, and what was really happening in those times is that we were processing life together. We are processing life together. And I think we never really outgrow that need. And um, we need somebody to sit down with us sometimes. We need somebody to talk to us so that we can process our life with them. And someone who loves us and affirms us and wants the best for us and is committed to us. And that's where heart-to-heart connection occurs. And that's why I love Encounter. Because that is what this is all about. This is family. This is us getting round a table together, processing life together and with a father who is besotted with us absolutely besotted with us and wants us to have a conversation tonight and this is a place where we can eat together and be fed and it's so important that we do that and we remember those times and we make time for that you know it's important as being physically fed and we met as worship leaders a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, and this is where this whole thing came from. And we met together, we worshipped together, and we had some dessert together. And, and I was suddenly reminded that actually wherever we meet together, we're meeting together as family. And we ate together and we ate well. We ate really well. God turned up and we had a great time. And it makes you think, why do we not do this more often? You know, why is that other things crowd our diaries and push this stuff out when there are opportunities for us to be together as family? And I remember going to Rome a few years ago and going to the Sistine Chapel. And you'll, you'll see this famous picture. It'll come up. Um, it should come up. It's behind me. There we go. Beautiful. And um, the famous Michelangelo picture. And, and I remember going to the Sistine Chapel looking up at this and being completely overwhelmed by this painting of the finger of God and the finger of man coming so close and nearly, but not quite touching. And it just made me think, that that's a picture of the human condition right there. The desire to touch God and have him touch us. But my problem is I can often forget the way to get there. I can often forget the way to get there. And I often take a wrong road. And there are three wrong roads that I really fall into. And this could just be me, but I'm hoping that you're on my road sometimes too. And I fall into the road of rules where I get confused. And it's like if I do this, if I keep this, maybe God will be happy with me. Maybe I can do a deal with God, and this will work for me if I can do this for him. But what does Jesus say about that? Well, if I look, and actually, Jesus says that it's not about rules, it's not about performance, it's not about keeping the rules. So then you see, I fall onto the road of rituals, and um, I create a pattern. I create a pattern, and I'm trying, what I'm trying to do is, is build a bridge between the known and the unknown there. And, and what does just say about this? It's not about how many times you pray. It's not about how you do it or when you do it. You know, in a ritual, although it may be an aid to us sometimes to, to meet God and to touch God, it has no power on its own to build a relationship with God. And then sometimes I try the road of religion. You know, a system of beliefs, really, that I can fall into. But actually, when I'm seeking God and when I'm moving to meet God, my motivation, your motivation is paramount. So how do we have this encounter moment with God? How can we have that encounter moment with God tonight, right now, on a Tuesday night in the middle of hell, Zoe? When the world is going crazy out there, how can we have that moment of touching God? And in Luke 11, we're going to look at this and we're going to see Jesus modeling for his disciples exactly how we can touch God. And we set the scene really. the disciples could ask Jesus anything, anything at all. You know, so how do you get that spit? Right, just talk me through this again. How do you get that spit? And how do you get it just the right consistency so that it will cure people of their blindness? You can imagine it, can't you? I'm not going to do it for you because that would be too gross. But it was, you know, they'd just seen him heal somebody by spitting in their eye. You're tempted, Sinead, aren't you? You're tempted. Maybe later, love, maybe later. <laughs> they'd just seen him heal, bring somebody, heal somebody from the dead. And they could have said, Jesus, how'd you do that? How'd you speak life into somebody who's dead, man? And they come out of the grave. But what did they ask him? They said this, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? We've seen you. It's authentic. It's real. It's powerful. Teach us what to say. What would they say? And They were saying, would you give us your formula, Jesus? Would you give us your formula? So how this whole thing works. But the beauty about Jesus is, that he not only gives them a formula, he gives them a secret to communion with his dad. And there are three things that I think God wants to share with us and remind us of tonight. And this is the bit after Jesus gives what we call the Lord's Prayer. And it's always been a bit of a thing that I've been a bit confused about, really. But I think that, that God has given me a bit of understanding and And I hope that I can pass that on to you too. So we're going to read from Luke 11 and and verses 5 to 13. Oh, there he is. Beautiful. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you've got a friend and you go to him at midnight and you say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on the journey has come to me and I've no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And we're going to talk about the God of the how much more tonight. And we're going to meet the God of the how much more. And so the first thing, the first secret is that Jesus says we need to pray boldly. We need to pray boldly. And um, verses 5 to 8 cover this with, you know, the guy that goes to his friend and says, can you give me some bread? But we need to understand the culture of the day to get exactly what Jesus was saying here. You know, food wasn't as easy to get hold of as it is now. There weren't any 24-hour Tesco Expresses. I don't even know what the Hebrew version of that would have been. (laughs) Um, you had to grow it or bake it yourself. I would starve. (laughs) Um, So enough bread was baked every day for that day's need. The second thing was hospitality was top dog. Hospitality was top dog. And it was seen as a duty, you know, you were welcomed and cared for no matter what time you arrived at somebody's house. And to avoid the midday heat, people would often, you know, travel um, during the evening or sometimes late into the night. So someone traveling close to midnight wouldn't have been uncommon, wouldn't have been uncommon. But here's the dilemma. The poor, unprepared host has a visitor really late at night, and he knows it's his duty to provide a meal. It's his duty to provide a meal, but he's got no bread. And he knows this would have brought shame on his family. So what's he going to do? Even though he knows he can't supply the need himself, he knows his mate down the road can. So he gets up, goes down the road, knocks on the door, asks for help. Doesn't matter what the time is. Probably has not even realised what the time is. Knocks on the door, asks for help. Now what kind of friend could you go to at midnight? What friend could you go to at midnight? I'm talking about one of those friends where you could go straight through the door, straight to the fridge, open it and go, got anything to eat? And be absolutely comfortable with it. I've got a couple of people I could do that with, and I do. <laughs> and there's probably more people that do it in our house, to be honest. Go straight to the fridge, open the door and go, you don't want that, do you? That's the type of friend this guy was. What does it tell you about that relationship? It tells me that it was open, it was accessible, it was close. This is somebody you're expecting to come through for you. I wouldn't just go and bang on anybody's door at midnight. I'd go to somebody that I knew was going to come through for me. And he knocks and he goes, you've got to get up, mate. I've got no bread. I've got no bread. The guy's desperate. He's knocking on the door. Now, you see, I totally understand the man's reluctance to get up, don't you? I don't know what you'd be like if somebody's knocking on your door at midnight, especially if you've got children, they're all in bed and they're all asleep, or you spent hours getting them to bed and getting them to sleep, and you've got this bloke lamping on the door and yelling and shouting, asking for bread. But here's the point. Jesus isn't calling God grumpy or selfish. Jesus is trying to tell us that God is exactly the opposite of that. Jesus is telling me be like that guy. Keep asking for what is right and proper for you to have. So the people listening to Jesus would have been laughing their heads off to think that this guy wasn't prepared, thinking that this guy hadn't got any bread, wouldn't give up his give up his food for his neighbor. They knew that was downright wrong in their culture. And the man pounding on the door was doing exactly the right thing. And it says because of his shameless audacity, shameless audacity. And there's a Greek word here, and it's Anadea. And if I've done my homework right, it's the only time in the New Testament this word is actually used. The man making the request was shameless in his persistence. Shameless. He's saying, I wouldn't come at this time for this reason unless this relationship mattered. Unless this relationship mattered. And you're not going to come through for me just because you're my friend. You're going to come through for me because you view this relationship with such esteem that even though you're reluctant, you're going to get out of bed and give me some bread. But God isn't a reluctant friend. How much more? How much more? God is more than ready. God is more than ready tonight. If a friend will get up because you come boldly or shamelessly, how much more will God, who is literally on the edge of his seat tonight, waiting, waiting? So how does this compare to how you and I pray? Boldly? Am I shameless? You know, sometimes I can pray and then I tag on that little thing of, but if it's your will, God, you know, whatever, whatever you want's okay with me, really. But can you imagine the implications if this man had not produced the bread, not produced the food? He'd have been walking down the street, they'd be going, there's that guy. There's that guy He wouldn't get up for his mate. There's that guy who wouldn't give him the bread. There's that guy who who told him to go away. You know, when I give up on prayer, when I give up on praying for something, I'm not just giving up on what I'm asking for. I'm giving up on the God who can feed me. Hebrews 4.16, doesn't it, says, you know, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. And we're going to come boldly tonight. The second thing is, we're to pray passionately. We're to pray passionately. You know, verses 9 to 10. So I say to you, asking it will be given. To you, seeking you will find. Knock on the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. This is a continual process. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. See, if I ask you for something, if I ask you for something, it's a simple request, isn't it? I'm just asking for something. If I'm seeking it, it becomes a bit more of a stronger desire. It's getting more urgent for me now. If I'm knocking, let me tell you, I'm determined to get an answer. I'm determined, I know you're in. I know you're in. Do you know there are some things in life, aren't there, that require more than just asking for something? It needs a bit of seeking. And then there are some things that need more than seeking, and they need some knocking. You know, knocking isn't just a little rap on the door. When Jesus talks about knocking here, it's like I'm banging as if my life depended on it. My knuckles would be sore, they'd be bloodied. It's shameless, passionate and bold. What do you need to get bloody knuckles over tonight? Is there something going on in your world, with your circle of friends, in the street where you live? that you really need to knock on the door of heaven tonight. God is in. His car's on the drive. He's in. And the third thing is we're to pray expectantly. Boldly, passionately, expectantly. Which of your fathers, if you say, and your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? You see, we can all agree with that bit, can't we? That's a big fat No, of course he wouldn't. Of course he wouldn't. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, and here's the bottom line in verse 13, then how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The God of the how much more the God of the how much more. See, Jesus' point is that touching the invisible is not about performance. It's not about keeping rules. It's not about saying the right words at the right time. It's not having my life so in order that I've never messed up. It's not about me twisting God's arm. It's all about the God of the how much more. And we're coming tonight to a God who longs to bless you, Love unconditionally wants to give exceedingly and abundantly more than we could even ask for or imagine. God is good. God is generous. God is kind. God is loving. God is available. God is willing. God is open. God is receptive. God is concerned. Thank you, Lord, that you're concerned. And based on all of those truths of his character, we come tonight. Based on those truths, we come. It's not about what I do, how long I do it, where I do it. Tonight, we just want to have company with God. We want to get around the table and we want to eat as a family, and process some life. You are related to the God of the how much more. That should kick something off in your spirit. You are related to the God of the how much more. And God just gives us good things that are good in my estimation. He gives us good things that are truly his good things. And what are those good things? They're the highest, they're the best, they're the deepest, they're the richest. What would happen tonight as we pray if we believe the God we've been singing to is the God of the how much more and that He was for you? I'm going to invite the guys to come back. The God of the how much more. You may be sitting here tonight and thinking. I don't know how much more of this I can take. I don't know what's going on in your world. Maybe you are saying that. Maybe there's something crying out from my heart. We that God, I don't know how much more of this I can take. But the God of the how much more is here tonight. And we can pray boldly and passionately and expectantly I love how um, the Bible often references bread I think sometimes God knew I was hung up on food and that it would get me and get my attention but Jesus said didn't he, I'm the bread of life I am the bread of life, and He's not a reluctant friend. Or we have to badger to get up out of bed and give us that food. How much more? And I want you to leave this place tonight with that phrase ringing in your ears. I want it to be the last thing that you think about before you shut your eyes and go to sleep. That you are related to the God of the How Much More. We're just gonna worship for a little bit. Because I want I want God. I want you to have a conversation with God that allows your spirit to be open and your heart to be open so that you can have a real conversation with Him about where you are tonight. Maybe there are people that you're carrying. not knocking for you, you're knocking for them. Maybe they've got no strength to get out of bed. Maybe they're the visitor to your home. And you need to knock for them. And sometimes, isn't it the truth that it's easier to come on behalf of somebody else than it is to come on behalf of you? But I tell you what, if that gets you in a place of encounter and connection with God tonight, then that's okay. So let's go on a journey tonight and encounter the God of the hell much more.